Welcome to the Shady Grove Radio Podcast, a production of Shady Grove United Methodist Church in Mechanicsville, Virginia. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and glory share. On this episode, we'll hear a sermon from Pastor Burkholder entitled, Grace Upon Grace, based on John 3, 1 through 17. Turn your radio on. Good morning, my name is Richard Colster, and I'll be reading from the NRSV version of the Bible, uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these things that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can can one enter the second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I can tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it it is with everyone who is born of spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify for what we have seen, yet you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended, no one has ascended into heaven except for the ones who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as of And and just as Moses lifted up to the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whatever believes in him may may have eternal life. For God loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Good morning. My name's Barry Burkholder. Uh, Many of you don't remember me because you got here after I left. We were here in 1984 to 1993. Uh, I've teasingly blamed Mary Sue because she taught Bible Bible study, and I took the first uh, year of that, and when I took the first half of the second year, went on to seminary. 
So I've been preaching for 29 years, retired once again last July, uh, and I'm back again. The, the biggest problem I've had, and when you see me look like a deer in the headlights, it's because I can't put the names with the faces of the folks back then, uh, and, and some of you are brand new faces. Uh, some of you might know and understand me better and uh, have a better knowledge of who I am by knowing that I was Carrie Lynn Burkholder Marston's daddy. And currently uh, in Papap to Rachel and Rebecca and Chris. So, uh, and I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Uh, blessed that I have been offered the opportunity to, as an interim person uh, in ministry to our congregation and to our senior adults. So uh, I am blessed in that. But I'd like to share with you this morning, uh, I did have an opportunity, speaking of Carrie, my daughter, uh, to preach her baccalaureate service. Uh, and uh, after that service was over, after that sermon was over, the two boys came up to me and said to me, that's the first time I've been in a worship service that I haven't been told I was going to hell. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, uh, it's, it's a shame, but some people's image of God is this person of a stern judge who's sitting on, a, sitting on the judgment seat and just waiting for, looking for some reason to condemn people. And that's the way they see our God. But our text today illustrates something entirely different. Nicodemus came to Jesus and he was seeking salvation. Now, now he didn't quite understand. I don't even think he knew what he was seeking. But he came acknowledging that Jesus Christ was somebody special, that he was from God because he'd seen some of the miracles that Jesus had done. Uh, but he came and, and they, they went back and forth about the, uh, uh, the notion that... Uh, uh, this idea of being born again. And through the Gospel of John, you'll see often where there's, there's people that get hung up in earthly kinds of things when Jesus is talking about heavenly kinds of things. But uh, So they go back and forth on this idea of being born again and how I can be born again. Uh, Jesus, Nicodemus just didn't quite understand what Jesus was talking about, and he was kind of awed at him uh, for not understanding. He said, you're a teacher of Israel. And you don't understand these things? Uh, and he goes back to the book of Numbers and he talks about the, the, the time when the people were wandering in the wilderness and they, they were being bitten by snakes and they were dying and they came to Moses and they, they fussed about it. Why is this happening and what can, I, what can we do? And, and Moses came to God and he said, What's, what, what can we do about this? And God said to Moses, make a bronze serpent. Not a god, not an idol, but make an image of a bronze serpent that you can lift up on a pole. And when the people see that, they can know that I am there. God said to me, they can know that I am there for them and they can be saved. Well, Jesus is going back to that idea, that illustration, and he said, just as that serpent was lifted up, so the Son of Man, he was referring to himself, will be lifted up and those that believe will have eternal life. So... We go back to these three, these two verses that I think are most important. One of them you've seen over and over and over again, even in the end zone of football games. Um, and wouldn't you know it, my there we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that, who, that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. It's probably the first Bible verse that you learned often called the golden text of the Bible. It's the whole gospel message right there in one verse. But immediately after that in verse 17, there's a verse that's just as important. It says, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. Rather than wanting to condemn us, rather than wanting to send us to hell, God wants to save us. God gave us life. God gave us laws to live by that we might be pleasing to him. But he knew the nature of humanity. He knew the nature of humankind. And, and he knew that we would, weren't going to be able to do that. So he authored, he planned a, a program for our salvation. Grace. It was by his grace that we are saved. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of our faith tradition, acknowledged grace is given to us in three different ways. He talked about prevenient grace. He talked about justifying or saving grace. He talked about sanctifying or perfecting grace. Now, we're all born into original sin. That's not the sin of Adam. We aren't guilty for Adam's sin. No. But we have inherited since then this tendency to want to sin. Now, what is sin? Sin is putting yourself first. Sin is putting yourself, your wants, your wishes, your desires ahead of what God wants for you. Putting yourself ahead of what your neighbor is. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself means we need to care about, but we also should not be putting our wants, our needs, our concerns, our rights, if you will, before the rights of others. Putting self first, one way of looking at sin. People get upset with me, talk about this little baby, this little baby lying in a crib, this innocent little sweet thing, and, and how can it be guilty of any kind of sin? But I would suggest to you, if that little baby is hungry, he doesn't care if mama's got a migraine headache. He doesn't care if mama or daddy have a report that has to be finished by 5 o'clock. He doesn't care about anything. He just wants what he wants. And as we grow, that can stay with us. We can want what it is that we want, what we desire more than anybody else. But there's prevenient grace. From the moment we're born, from the moment that we come into this world, God reaches out to us, wants to fix that broken relationship. And that's what prevenient grace is. Every single human individual, is, is God is reaching out toward and trying to bring back to him. That's what prevenient grace is all about. And as we grow, as we learn, as we get a little bit wiser, perhaps as we have conscience, we become aware that the way that we're going isn't the way that God wants us to go. We know that we sin. So we confess our sin, and we believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, and by believing in him, we can be saved of our sin, and we ask God for forgiveness, and we repent. Now, do you know what repent is? Repent isn't confessing your sin. It isn't being sorry for your sin. Repenting is acknowledging that you are going down the road, and you're going the wrong way, and you turn around, and you go back the other way. We receive justifying grace when we do that. When we confess our sin, when we repent of our sin and turn around and go the other way, then we are assured of forgiveness and we are assured of eternal life. But just as grace doesn't begin here, remember that prevenient grace thing? It also doesn't end here. Literally or figuratively, we've got to get up off our knees because there's work to be done. We receive the grace that saves us that justifies us, that makes us right in God's eyes, restores that relationship that we need to have with God. We were created in God's image, perfect. The perfecting was broken, but we receive that saving grace and that relationship is restored. And we want to be as much like God as possible. As humans, we face our fears, our illnesses, our disappointments, 
our trials and tribulations and even our temptations. And that's when we are supported by sanctifying or perfecting grace. Each difficulty when we encounter, we are supported. In each temptation we face, we are protected and defended. Each barrier we overcome, whether temptation, trouble, trials, or whether it's that, temp it's that temptation, we move towards perfection. We move towards sanctification. So if this grace is available to us, this prevenient grace, saving grace, perfecting grace, each stage of life from cradle to grave, we have grace upon grace. Why can life seem so hard? Why can we seem so alone at times? Or as Jesus put it to Nicodemus, why must we be born again? That gift has got to be received. Now, I had worked something out with Paul ahead of time. Paul's not here. Where did Paul? That's all right, Paul. I had in my pocket a $5 bill. I can offer that $5 bill to Paul. You don't want my $5 bill. Does Paul have my $5 bill? No. No, I still got it. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> but grace is like that. God offers you grace, and you have to receive it. You have to really want it. You have to receive that grace in order for that grace to be yours. God gives it to you free. However, you've got to receive it. Now, as we grow and as we grow tighter to, we have things in our lives that, that help to bring us closer to God. One of those things is confirmation. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. And listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Let glory share. Listen to the master's radio.